seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Live Radio Contact. Hello and welcome to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parks and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils joining the show this week as ever we are Paul White. Sam, right Paul? Hey Rob. How's your week been mate? Very good, very good. I had a really good week. I had a couple of days in Lapland with the kids. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. How was, how was Santa? Oh, I'd recommend it mate. It was absolutely amazing. One of the best sort of little holidays I've ever had and I even believed it. <laughs> the Christmas was real for a minute after chatting to him. What a lovely guy. He is real, Paul. No, I don't care what you say. He is real. We've seen him in your very eyes. So he is. I certainly have, yes. So behave yourself. Yeah, make sure you're uh, you're being good boys and girls and hopefully he'll bring you uh, some fantastic presents in the next couple of weeks. Uh, what have we got on the show this week, Paul? Yeah, we've got the news, we've got the amateur report, and we've also got a big match review of the World Cup final between England and Australia. Cool. So what we'll do, we'll start with what's going on at South Red Devils this week. Yeah, so first bit of news we've got uh, is the signing, new signing, Ben Nakubuai from Fiji. Uh, big prop forward Paul and he'll certainly add some big strength to our pack yeah we've just been practising his name haven't we we've yeah, we have we've had to put it in like <laughs> groups of letters haven't we groups of syllables but mm. he's a big lad isn't he he's yeah. a 6 foot 4 17 stone 21 years of age as you said there Rob and uh, he looked good in the games we saw him in the World Cup and we've been saying, haven't we, about that size and the pack that we've lost with with Masilla going, and uh, you know this lad that's coming in, he he he, he doesn't lack size, does he? And looking at the the pictures on on social media the day of uh, Levy and Zungu, he's a big lad as well, isn't mm. he? He looks huge. So um, so yeah, we've 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 replaced Masilla with a bit of size. Yeah, that's what I suppose you need in your forward pack. You need a bit of strength and a bit of power. And you know this guy looks like he could be the one. You know who could you know add that to our squad. Yeah, I mean, he, he might possibly be a bit green. I don't think he's had a lot of experience in the NRL. I'm not sure how many games he's played. I don't think it's many. But he's played, I think, 10 international games now for Fiji. And like we said, he's had the experience of the World Cup. And I think he's going to be a good signing. I think he's a, he's a really positive signing. And uh, that's what you want, young lads, young, hungry players who have got their careers ahead of them. You want those to be part of your ethos and your club. And I think we the, the signings that we've made for this season, Gavin Benny as well, only 23, the, the good young players, aren't they, that want to prove a point? Yeah, you want to improve the, the you know the size of the squad as well, Paul. I'm sure Ian Watson and Ian Blees are going to be busy, you know, negotiating contracts with players to come in, and you know that's what you want. You want a strong squad after after last year's exploits. You want to be able to do the similar uh, this year. Yeah, certainly, certainly, yeah, and that's one thing. Last season, where perhaps we did lack a bit of a bit of squad size, really, and. Um, you know, bringing players in the right positions and covering the positions and, and p- people who can play in a number of positions. That's what you need. It's a long hard season, as we've said before. You know, injuries are... I think injuries come, don't they? I don't think you can avoid injuries. I think every squad gets them. It's about how you deal with them. And if we've got the the squad, you know, a bit of a better squad than last season, which, you know, people can look at the Masilla thing and say, we've lost Ben, but we've, you know, we've lost the players that have retired as well, you know, the Max Michael Dobson and Todd Carney moving on, so we've replaced those players with better players, 
only time will tell. Yeah, I suppose it's a, a thing that Ian Watson has to consider that you know the likes of uh, Ben Murray and Basala go on. He, he has to bring in players that are going to take us to the next level because if you're wanting to go forward as a club, both on and off the field, you need to replace like for like, and that's the important thing. That's the key uh, for me. Yeah, certainly. Well, supporters want to see box office players, don't they? And um, you know, I think now we're, with the, the the changes at the club and Marwan supposedly stepping aside and things like that, will we have the same budget as we had before? Perhaps not. Perhaps we're going to have to do things in different ways, and you know, perhaps we won't be able to spend as much money as we spent before. I mean, I don't know how much money we spent before. Really. I'm not a mathematician, or I'm not into the the salary cap. I don't really know how it all works, Rob. You know me, but uh, no, we'll have to just see what happens and. You know, good young players though, they'll have a point to prove and I'm sure they won't let us down. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, obviously with uh, Christmas coming up, Paul. Uh, other things that are happening as well, the new away shirt unveiled, will be unveiled this Friday, 8am. Uh, um, home shirt, still very impressive, very happy about that hopefully. Certainly, yeah, I mean a lot of people have been impressed with the home shirt and we, mm. we both liked it, didn't we, as soon as we saw it. it was, I think it's an excellent design, it's gone back to the tradition and I think Steedham deserve a lot of credit for that. I think they've, they've made a real good job of it and I'll be really excited to see what the away shirt looks like. I mean, I've not got a clue what it's going to be. Have you got any, any preferences, Rob? I'd, to be honest, I'd love it to be like green or yellow, something, you know, big and, you know, bright. Like the yellow Esab one. Yeah, Esab or the green, uh, the green one that um, Broughton wore, that one, a luminous green. I remember us yeah. playing in that on St. Patrick's yeah. night, I think that's the only time we played it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 like, I like that, I like that kind of stuff, so, but I can imagine it kind of being kind of a darker colour, maybe black or blue or something like that, because that's, I suppose if you're, you know, looking to wear it in a combination, uh, obviously, we're talking like fashion now. You're probably a better, a safer with a, a, a darker colour. What are we talking now? We're talking a jeans combination, <laughs> yeah. are you? Wearing your track bottoms yeah. or your cargo pants <laughs> or your chinos? I don't know. Yeah. What do you normally know wear for the oh, match, Rob? Well, yeah, so I'm talking fashion here rather than rugby league for the next 30 seconds. Um, it's normally a pair of jeans, normally a pair of j- and a jumper. I don't normally wear shirts, but I might make the exception with this one because I quite like this one. I'm hoping that you'd have said some, you know, pass a message on to Santa weekend and. Well, wants this. well, you never know, might I? Mm, hopefully, you might be getting a new bag. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You so. never know. Uh, but yeah, get yourselves down um, when the shirt becomes available um, and purchase uh, that because obviously, you know, it's a kind of an income stream for the club. In it, Paul, you know, buying the merchandise puts extra juice in the club's tank, so they can do, you know, big things. Yeah, certainly the merchandise that I saw last week on online, the, especially the hoodies. Uh, and I've seen some pictures of, uh, as we'll talk about in the amateur report, the Caddies and Rhinos had their, their uh, Players of the Year awards and a couple of the Salford players were down there and uh, they had the new hoodies and tracksuit bottoms on and things like that. They look really smart, don't they? And You know, that that's available. You've got the Red Zapparel as well, what Andy Ashton and Tez are doing. They've got some really good stuff out and I know Shirley Bradshaw and her husband... Alan. Alan. Thanks, Rob. I had a bit of a memory blank there. <laughs> yeah, they were modelling those ab- abroad, weren't they, in Australia mm. at, the, at the World Cup, and they look really good as well. So there's a lot of merchandise out there for, for whatever you're into, whether it's club stuff or retro stuff. There's, there's all sorts out there at the moment, which is good. Yeah, I think it's great. Obviously, the club need us at Christmas to go out and, and purchase these stuff to, to generate the cash. So, you know, if you want to get a shirt or a, or a you know a season ticket, you know, get behind the club and, and manage to get one and hopefully generate some cash. Talking about season ticket collection on the 18th of December on Monday uh, they're going to have a season ticket collection day between 4 and 8pm Paul um, good that you know they're able to get it before Christmas 
Yeah, certainly, because, uh, you know, I was thinking of getting mine perhaps at the, the Swinton Friendly in January, mm-hmm. it's plenty of time before the season, but, you know, a lot of people might want to wrap the season ticket up for the kids and things like that, so if you can get it before Christmas and, you know, put it in a bit of paper and give it to your kids, I think that's a good idea, and will the shirts be out to buy on that day, Rod? Do we not know that? It's from the, is it the 19th, I'm sure, I saw on the internet, but it might be different, they might have pushed it back a day, as for us, I suppose the club will announce that, won't they? It's not for us to say when it is, because I haven't got a clue. No, I, I don't. To be um, but, uh, There's going to be some players there as well, yep. so that's great if, you, if, you, if you're taking your family down mm. there, or your young kids going for, straight from school, and you can meet some of the first team, that's great to, to be able to meet them, get some autographs, get your selfies with them and things like that. Yeah, there's been a, on a bit on the internet, and a bit of Twitter, kind of, debate raging about the day obviously it's kind of out of the club's uh, hands I'm sure if given the choice the club wouldn't have decided to do it on a Monday but you've, like you say they've got to get it out as soon as you can and if that means um, you know the 18th of December then so be it yeah it does seem a bit strange with it being right near Christmas and don't forget Monday before, before Christmas that Trafford Centre is going to be rammed with Wally's going doing last minute shopping <laughs> you should have done your Christmas shopping months ago like everybody else mm. but you know you always get that don't you? it's busy time of year and people having works night out and that traffic centre seems to be busy at no matter what time doesn't it so that motorway's going to be busy and things like that but you know it, I don't know who's in charge of that Rob we can only give out what they tell us yeah but like I say there's no way of us knowing it's just a you know the, that's the date and, and you know and that's the, the way you've got to deal with it but I'm sure there'll be people you know, running down uh, Stadium Way to, to buy the shirts and, and the season tickets on that day because, you know, like I said before, it's important that the club, you know, get the cash to, you know, open take over through the uh, winter period. Certainly, certainly, Rob. Yeah, next bit of news we've got is uh, David Watkins uh, has received an MBE. Um, Paul, you know, great achievement for such a legend of the club. Fantastic news, Rob. It really was heartwarming to see that. I saw a post what Roy Ellaby put on, uh, I think it was on Facebook last night, and there was a nice video of him there getting his awards and on stage, and someone made a lovely speech about him. I can't remember who it was now, but it was it was great to see. And you know, I, I found a load of old photographs of him today, and I put them on the, the Salford Anoraks page, and I know the club have put a, a nice photograph of him on as well. And it's great that we can remember a, a guy like David Watkins. Obviously, I never saw him play just a few years before my time, but I've heard all the stories from my dad, how, how pivotal he was in the championship winning sides of 73, 4, 75, 6, Lancashire Cup winners in 72. He was the one of the... Well, what's the word I'm looking for? He was the, he was one of the guys that came, one of the, sort of the late 60s, or you know, Mike Coolman, Colin Dixon, that, that started the, the revolution at Salford, really, mm. and started that ball rolling in those those glory years of the, of the 70s. And, uh, you know, what, what a fantastic player. A pioneer, that was the word I was looking for, coming from Rugby Union and... You know what? What a talented player at both codes of rugby league. What an ambassador for the sport. Mm, yeah, so two thousand nine hundred points in a red shirt for over four hundred games. You know, I don't think we'll ever see a, anyone like him again in a red, well, in a red shirt. Maybe but fantastic goal kicker as well. Mm. What a fantastic goal kicker. Yeah, and, uh, and a great player, great player, and I th- I'm sure lots of our listeners will have great memories of David Watkins in the red shirt. Yeah, it's going to be a you know a fantastic. I'm sure the club have got stuff planned uh, to sort of highlight that and celebrate that because he is a, is a club legend and hopefully uh, it'd be great to see David at a game, wouldn't it? Or, oh or yeah, meet, get older David if, if perhaps we can put, put the word out and see if we can get him on the podcast. Mm. And go and meet him and get an interview. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be good. That obviously if you're listening, Dave. We'll, we'll try and sort. If anybody's out. got any contact numbers <laughs> for him, get in touch with us and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll shout we'll, out. We'll try and we'll try and get get hold of him. Yeah. So that's all the news we've got uh, coming out of the club uh, today. And what we'll do now. We'll see what our amateur sides did uh, this week with Paul. (laughs) 
Yeah, this week we'll start the amateur report by looking back at Caddy Z. Rhinos there, sevens, eights and nines. They had their presentation awards um, at the weekend just gone and they were joined on the night by Salford Red Devil stars George Griffin and Ryan Lannan as well as former Rhinos player Billy Brickhill who is now with Rochdale Hornets, Liam Byrne who's with Wigan Warriors and Ben Bamba at the Huddersfield Giants. The awards well, were as follows. In the under-7s, Billy Ogden got the most improved player. Charlie Greatbanks got Club Person of the Year. Jack Skelton got Parents Player of the Year. And Joe Holmes got Player of the Steel Award. In the under-8s, there's two sizes. There's that many players in the under-8s. They have two teams. They have a red team and a black team. So there was two awards for the most improved player. And they went to Jaden Daly, Alex Mamut. And the Coaches Player of the Year was two players. And it was Liam Blinkhorn and Oliver Clark. Adam Lowe won the under-8 Players Player of the Year and Josh Shaw won Player of Steel. In the under-9s, Alex Stanway was the most improved player. Emily Finn got Club Person of the Year. Lewis Heaton got Coaches Player of the Year. James Davis got Players Player of the Year. And Caden Thomas got the Player of Steel. So congratulations to everybody at Caddy's Head Rhinos and all the 7s, 8s and 9s. We wish them a really good Christmas and all our community clubs. We wish a very happy Christmas and a good New Year. From everybody at Devil in the Detail, and we wish you all the best for your 2018 season. Yeah, obviously, just a quick one before we go. I uh, don't know whether we mentioned it before, but ex Salford player Graham Allride is the head coach at Berry Broncos now, Paul. Uh, that's great for him and great for Berry. Yeah, we were speaking about that, I think, the other week on the Amateur Report, and that's great news. Graham Allride's a great ambassador for rugby league. You know, played for Swinton, Rochdale Hornets, Halifax, Leeds. Salford, he had a lot of clubs, Graham Allray, a great servant to the game, great servant to all those clubs. And uh, Do you remember that drop goal that he scored against Wigan? Yeah, I remember he had a real good kicking game. Yeah, 31-30 that game yeah. was Wigan, I think it was him who dropped the goal, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Great, great. I like Graham Allray, a very talented player, I thought he was a very talented halfback and it was great to see him you know, involved in the game. I think he still lives local and Berry Broncos, one of our you know, leading community clubs, they do some great work there and it's great to see uh, such a good player like Graham Allray still involved in the game. Yeah, so that's the end of this uh, amateur report. And what we'll do is now we'll talk about the game, uh, the World Cup game uh, between uh, England and Australia at weekend. You're listening to Devil in the Detail and this is your Big Match Review. So, World Cup, Paul, England narrowly defeated in the final against Australia, six points to nil. What a game that was, though. It certainly was. I managed to watch it today being away at weekend. I didn't see the game. I tried to avoid the score, and I thought, I'll watch it on BBC iPlay when I get some Wi-Fi, and then BBC <laughs> iPlay doesn't work in Scandinavia, apparently, it said to me. So, <laughs> I was absolutely good because I avoided the score all day. But, yeah, I watched it back today, and um, it was a great game. Great defensive effort from England, and... He just couldn't get over the line, couldn't we? Had chances. The, the Callum Watkins, when he went through there, he shot through. It was a great pass. I can't remember who gave it him. He went through and how that Holmes, I think it was, who ankle tapped him out. How, how he reached him there because he looked like he was miles away from yeah. him. His hand just seemed to come from nowhere and then he seemed to fall. And yeah, and then the Jermaine Magoo, won in the last minute. He, he sort of put a kick through. But if you actually, I mean, I wound it about four times and he had men on his inside there. And why didn't he pass? But no, it was a great game. Great game to watch. And I mean, if you'd have said after 15 minutes, 6 0, that's how it's going to finish, you'd, you'd have laughed, wouldn't you, really? Mm. What a crazy result. Um, but I think that shows how far England have come, how far we've come as a, as a nation. We've played Australia twice in a World Cup. And, you know, we gave them a fantastic game first game round. That scoreline flattered Australia, I thought. I thought it was better than the scoreline suggested. And we've, we've took them all the way again in, um, in that match. So 
I think we've made great progress under Wayne Bennett. For me, there's just it was, it was just that sort of creativity we lacked a bit, really. Perhaps at half back, maybe I, I don't think Bateman's a centre. I wouldn't have played him in the centre really. But uh, I thought you can't lack the effort. I thought they played played superbly well and was a bit unlucky. Yeah, talk about the the Watkins one. It was like shades of Andy Kirk against yeah. OKR in in 2003 when he goes through the gap and sniper knocks him down, but. You know, it's it's sometimes rugby league. It's it's a matter of finches and it games that can be won or lost. And he misses that. He misses that tap tackle, and we go under the posts, and that's the changes the complex of the game altogether, doesn't it? Yeah, well, Australia are a world class side, aren't they, Robin? They have been for a long time, as long as I've been watching rugby league. Anyway, they play the game for eighty minutes, and I've said it before. People going about Brazil at football and in Germany at football and things like that, and in the All Blacks at rugby union. For me, the number one sports team in the world in the 30 years I've been watching rugby is Australia the Australian the Kangaroos I think they're a fantastic unit I think you've got, you've got to admire them um, people say about oh, Cameron Smith's going to retire now and Cooper Cronk they're getting on the thing is they've got like an endless conveyor belt of players you know behind Cooper Cronk there'll be another three players for that position who is probably as good or, or better than the England players and, and that's I think you've got to give them a lot of credit for that the coaching over there in Australia I don't know if you watched that programme called the NRL Rookie a few years ago on did Sky and did we sign someone from that? Brad Fittler was in it. Uh, I'm not sure whether it was that one. There was something else before that. But uh, I think it was on Sky a couple of years ago. And um, I think he signed for, um, was it Parramatta? In the end, the lad who won it. But it was a fantastic programme. I really enjoyed it. And it just showed you how ruthless it was over there. You know, the coaching and, you know, you, you muck about and you, you're out sort of thing. And they, they are, they really are trailblazers, aren't they? The, the way they, they do things. And, you know, I think we've caught them up, though. If you go back to the 80s, we were probably light years behind them, weren't you? If I've watched the, the Invincibles uh, DVD just recently, the way they, they absolutely battered all the club teams and they beat uh, Great Britain three times by 40-odd points in each test. And we've, we've sort of caught them up over the years, haven't we? And had a few close things with them then. I think sort of 10 years ago, they beat us by 60 points in that test in Melbourne, didn't they? And we thought we'd gone backwards a bit. But like now, this World Cup, we seem to be right there just behind them again. I think with, uh, with you know, the rugby in Australia, Paul, is it's their national sport in it it's a big thing for them and you know what the pressure of, of playing in the top sport in your country is a big thing and i'm sure you know what bigger our sport gets in this country the more kind of um, media attacks and the more out of the bubble we get to the general people outside it the bigger the sport will become and the bigger the players will get used to that kind of pressure. So when it comes to you know the big games in the World Cups against Australia, they're able to deal with that pressure and hopefully turn narrow defeats into to losses. No, narrow defeats into wins even. Yeah, certainly that's the that's the goal, Rob. That's that's definitely the goal, and that's what we've we've got to aspire to. But you know, I was impressed with the performance, hand on heart. I think I. I'm a bit of a romantic me I went for an England win I think mm. 18 16 no 16 12 I think mm. I said on my prediction but that really I wouldn't have put money on that that was just me me over really me head really I expected Australia to win and when I found the score out on um, on Saturday evening I, I was surprised I thought blimey 6 nil, six nil is that the half time is that an half time score I mm. said to Ellen I said check your Twitter are you sure that's not like a latest score I said because I don't do the Twitter and she managed to get some Wi-Fi I said 6 nil. I said no you, you've got the wrong game there and then I had a look at it and I, I couldn't believe it so but yeah an excellent performance it's so brave in defence as well weren't they I mean you got the Australians there throwing everything but the kitchen sink at you for 80 minutes and the defence was outstanding wasn't it and um, there was a couple of, there was a set uh, late on in the game where England forced a, a drop out, I think, and 
just the commitment there in defence and to chase the kick, you just got to hand it to them. I thought they were, they were excellent and they were out on their feet there at the end. And I thought I thought they deserved to, to score a try and perhaps take the game into it. Yeah, I think what the difference was is it's a pre- building the pressure. Yeah. Australia are able to convert, um, you know, uh, chances and, and if they don't score, they'll get a repeat set. And a lot of time with England, they weren't, they weren't every time we got towards their posts or their sticks, they never... We kind took, of like took the wrong option. Yeah, time, and he coughed we? the ball up, didn't yeah. they? I remember throwing yeah. the ball at a touch once. And I think you, it's on Burgess. Yeah, and, and you're field. like, if moments like that, you've got to play the percentages in that way. Like Luke Gale, mm. kicks, kick 30 seconds to go, however it was, a minute, about 40 seconds to go, he kicks on a second yeah. tackle. Yeah. And you're like, we just got another play. set after that, though, didn't we? We did get yeah, another set. But it's like going back to the Australians. They don't seem to make many mistakes, do they? No. They don't seem to knock it on. But in that game, in sort of the last five or ten minutes there, they came up with a few knock-ons. There was one particular, I think it was about five minutes left. I can't remember who it was now, but he knocked it on, coming out of his own half about mm. 20 yards out. And I thought, well, I didn't think that was it because I knew the result. But I was thinking to myself, God, they, they could have scored from this mm. now. They could have worked something there. But we didn't seem to have the guile or... I'm not having to go at Luke Gale and the halfbacks, and I'm, I'm not on Kevin Brown, but we didn't seem to have that sort of cutting edge to open. The I, I think it's, the, it's not this cutting edge, Paul. Like, for me, it's you've got to build, but it's pressure building, and it, and I, I think that that second tackle, obviously he, d- he does what he does, but an Australian team doesn't kick on that second tackle. They build the pressure, you get to the third and the fourth, and then they'll play they'll play off the back of that, mm. and that's the major difference for me. Australia, when it comes to moments of pure magic or pure pressure they're able to deal with it do you think it's in their DNA Rob because <laughs> I know I was reading uh, something in the League Express from Gary Schofield and he was sort of saying we've become robotic like the Australians yeah. we're sort of playing their way and I was thinking well we never beat the Australians when you played for us and we had the likes of Ellery Anley Sean Edwards Andy Gregory uh, Martin Fire, all those star names and we still couldn't beat Australia then so I think you've sometimes you've got to take your England blinkers off and just say wow they're, they're excellent they are very good. Yeah, I suppose with, with the way the International Rugby League is being played, or even Rugby League at the top level, it's not about turning ball over. You can only score with a ball, can't you? So they know that if you complete 100%, you know, 100% sets, you're taking juice out of your opposition's tank, aren't you, defensively? And that gives you more of a chance of winning, for me. Um, yeah, we like attractive rugby. We like to throw the ball about. It's going to you know, get people in to see entertaining rugby, but... There's a time and a place, Rob. There is. And I'll tell you when that is, when you're more than two points, two scores clear. Because that's what teams do. They'll get within get two points, two scores clear, and then they'll open up and they'll start throwing the ball about then. But when it's close, when it's like a one-score game, the Australians do it best. They're just going down the middle, trying to hit you where, you, where, you, where you're hurting. The bet the work the most, uh, and trying to grind the result out, and that's what happened. Well, it's game actually. management. We talk about that a lot, don't we? And coaches talk about mm. it a lot. We speak to what we talk about it, and we mentioned last week, didn't we? About I think I came up with the, the, the theory of a boxer, you know, that jab, 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 bang, and that's what Australia mm. are like, aren't they? they? Just keep jabbing away, at you chipping away, at you, you know, moving, and then pff, they'll just take the, the opportunity when it comes, and it they're that fast and that clinical. They won't drop the ball over mm. the line. The pass won't. You know, we create things and we get ankle tapped. Or the ball will go to ground. Or it going to touch. Or be a forward pass. With Australia, it's clinical and it, everything looks polished. And you know, you've got to credit them for that. Yeah, and that's why they're the best in the world, Paul. Um, Wayne Bennett, England coach, hasn't confirmed either way whether he's staying on or not. Will he stay on? I hope he does, Rob, because I think we've made a lot of progress under him. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea and. 
I mean, I've never interviewed Wayne Bennett, but I believe he's a bit of a nightmare to interview because he's just one word answers. But that's just the character he is. And I think, you know, he's done it at the high level, hasn't he? He's coached Brisbane. He did a fantastic job there, didn't he? And done a great job coaching Australia as well. You know, he's he's one of the one of the greats, isn't he? The greats of, 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 of rugby league. So, um I hope he does stay. It's continuity as well. We've built something there under him. It'd be great to carry it on. If he does go, who do we get? That's a good question. Not Paul, who do we get? Maybe Daryl Powell from Castleford. He plays, you know, some good rugby, but you're kind of struggling, aren't you? Looking around at, you know, the top, very it's top. Whether Daryl Powell can do it international level, I mean, mm. he's a different kettle of fish coaching at club level. He's done a great job at Castleford. He seems to be able to get the best out of players who are perhaps not the great players you know he signed some players there you probably think he's not that good but then he's turned him into shape players into good players aren't he you know that Minikin I think um, the forward as well he signed he signed that lad from London didn't he they signed Gary Lowe this time from Sheffield so they've not signed big names but they've, they've done well with what they've had but whether he can coach at international level I mean it's the, the jury's out on that one well, I'm sure he can he's a, he's a talented bloke but after that who are you looking at really Sean Wayne yeah will he leave Wigan that's the question Probably not. Might get sacked. Maybe. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> if they start the season, no, for them. they lost the Challenge Cup final, didn't they? Yeah. Didn't do very well in the playoffs. They didn't make the top four, did they? So no. It's difficult, really. But you're hoping he stays on, just like you say, for that continue. You know, being able to continue to build. Uh, but it's so it's entirely his decision. Looking back at though, at the whole World Cup, Paul, what was the highlight for you? Um, there were some great games. I, th- I remember the Tonga game when Tonga beat New Zealand. I thought that was a fantastic match. Uh, the Papua New Guinea game against England, I enjoyed. Ireland, I thought Ireland were a breath of fresh air and I thought they were very unlucky not to qualify. They had two wins and a really narrow defeat. And if you look back at the tournament, I think Samoa qualified and they didn't even win a game and they yeah. qualified for the quarter. So that perhaps was a bit unfair, but I thought Ireland did really well and deserve a lot of credit. Um, Tonga, as we said, the atmosphere against England in that semi final. Wow. And what mm. a game that was. What an absolute belting game. I mean,. Just the, the atmosphere alone at the start of the game, the commentators were saying they couldn't hear themselves think, could they? So that must have been some, something special. I mean, you must have been privileged here in the Rugby League media and you've been to that. You know, our, our friends that we see in the press box will have to uh, have a chat <laughs> with them about that. They're lucky buggers. Yeah. But, but yeah, and the final was a great spectacle as well. So I think there's been lots of good memories and I think it's been a thoroughly enjoyable World Cup. I mean, sometimes Rugby League gets criticised for being perhaps too uh, predictable. I mean, I know Australia have won again, but there was, there was a few results in the World Cup where, you know, we wouldn't have expected it especially Fiji beating New Zealand 4-2 as well. I mean, what a strange game. That was a trialist game as well. So there was a lot of sort of ups and downs and things you probably wouldn't have expected. I thoroughly enjoyed the games that I watched. How how do we kick on from this, Paul? Obviously, with the World Cup, you know, England's final defeat, but Australia winning again, but you've got all these nations, like you say, with Tonga and Fiji coming through. How do, uh, you know, the sport move on from here? International rugby is the key, Rob, for me. Um, I think it gets overlooked far too much. I think far too much emphasis is 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 put on Super League, and I think if, I think that's just something that's become endemic. I think in the support. I mean, if you go back sort of twenty five years, people Great Britain was the pinnacle, and you go to the Test matches and you'd have people from all the clubs there. Whereas now, I think since Super League started, people. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not doing very well. We're worse than that. I think Super League has been a bit more tribal now. I think you'll get like so, sort of Wigan, St. Helens, Leeds. Those supporters, to me, sometimes they sort of take the international game as sort of second. Their, their club comes first. And mm. to me, your club is very important. Solves very important to me. But I think as a, as a whole, you want the international game to do well. And I think 
over the last 20 years we've dropped behind rugby union even more at international level I mean, they put events on don't they, they can sell out Twickenham and they get 80,000 people there mm. could we if we had a test match at Old Trafford next Saturday would we get would we sell it out probably not but yet you'll sell the grand final out straight away won't you so I think that needs looking at and we need to have tournaments you need to have the six nations what they're going to bring up you know and have an emerging England in for me, I'd love to see Test Series again with a tour. I'd love to see the Aussies come over here and play the club sides, but I don't think that'll ever happen just because of the logistics of it now and their, and their league. Because um, we play in the summer, don't we, basically? Yeah. So it's not going to happen, but that'd be absolutely amazing. But I think the Ashes have got to come back. I bring Great Britain back. Mm. Great Britain against Australia. It's some of the best times I've had watching rugby league, apart from Salford games and that. I mean, I've watched some great Test matches, you know, Old Trafford, England, Great Britain, Australia. Love to see that come back, but we've got to... I think now we've done so well with England there we've got to uh, we've got to use that now and say look we've run the Australians really close let's push on from this and let's beat them next time because we can yeah it's going to be a fascinating uh, few you know months and years to come in the international scene hopefully the likes of Samoa and Fiji will continue to you know to grow and challenge the likes of uh, England and Australia and uh, next World Cup it could be a you know a five or six team kind of you know uh, battle between you know, a group of uh, teams, and hopefully that you know we'll be on for a successful one this time. Yeah, certainly. I mean, if you look back at the, the four nations that we've had before, it's or the five nations, and that you've only had England, New Zealand, and, and Australia have been there. But I think now you've got Tonga coming through. Mm. I mean, Tonga seem to be on a par with New Zealand at the moment, don't they? And I think they could challenge. I mean, look how how they close they run us. Would have been interesting to see how they'd gone in the final. Would they have been that close against Australia? No one will ever know, will they? But it's great to see those nations doing well and progressing. And the, you know, the better the competition, the the more level it is, the more exciting it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be a uh, loads of excitement to come, I reckon, in uh, 2018 and beyond. So that was the end of this week's pop up podcast from the Devil in the Detail. I've been Rob Parks. It's been a, a great show, Paul. You got some breaking news? Yeah, I've just got a bit of trust news actually from um, Dave Campbell. It was just something he mentioned to me to to read out today. So the, it's the intention of the uh, Supporters Trust. They're going to have a, an annual general meeting where a new and permanent board will be elected by the members. Full details of this meeting have been emailed to everybody, so you should have received an email now. Members will be asked to provide any motions they would like to raise at the meeting and also to nominate either themselves or anyone they would like to put forward for a board position. There will be a deadline for nominations and motions to be received, and these will be outlined in the email also. There will also be a deadline of Monday the 11th of December, in place for the submission of membership applications to both attend the AGM and stand for election. Due to the sensitivity, the election process for board members will be overseen by an election management group chaired by John Blackburn and supported by a group of supporters trust members not standing for election and who are not connected with the current interim board. There will be a maximum of 10 board positions available. Should 10 or less nominations be received, nominees will automatically be elected to the board. However, should there be more than 10 nominations, a ballot will be set in motion and members will have the opportunity to vote for board members. Further details will be issued following the closing date. So there'll be more emails coming on about that. Like a newsreader there reading yeah. out. But yeah, it's all exciting stuff. And can I just say one thank you Well, before we go, Rob? I'd like to say a thank you to Neil Bluer. He invited me up to his pub last weekend uh, for a drink so I met him he's a big fan of the podcast to, to say hi to you Rob as well Is he play for, do you play for Barry Broncos? no 
No, I don't think he really might do. I'm not sure. He never, he never said anything about that. He's from Bolton, though. Uh-huh. He lives in Bolton. He's, I think he's from Farnworth, but he's got the Belmont Bull Public House, the postcode for it. If you'd like to visit, because it's lovely. It's in the middle of the country. It's on like the road between Bolton and Blackburn. <laughs> right. It was absolutely lovely. I went up and had a drink. We, we little and had something to eat, and we really enjoyed it. I'd recommend it. The postcode is BL78AJ, the Belmont Bull Public House. I had a lovely time. Thank you very much, Neil, for being very hospitable, and we had a great chat about Salford as well. Cool. So yeah. Great stuff. Go get yourself down to the pub and uh, say hello to Neil. So that was the end of this week's uh, Devil in Detail podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITDSRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Radio Contacts. All. I've been Rob Parkinson and we'll see you next week.